This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to a little thing we like to call the Ball on Blast Podcast. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander. I'm joined by my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what is good? Not too much, man. Uh, the Trevor Lawrence watch is on in Philadelphia right now. Uh, I just watched uh, Joe Burrow uh, play the Eagles to a draw on Sunday. <laughs> Whatever. At least, like, uh, remember when Donovan McNabb was like, oh, I didn't even know we could tie a couple of years oh, ago? Yeah. But hey, at least your Phillies uh, are in the playoffs, right? No, uh, no, no, they're not. No, they're not. Uh, how about the Mets? Are the Mets in the playoffs, Sheldon? Who? I'm not. I'm not yeah, familiar exactly. with that team. I don't. I, I'm not familiar with exactly. that team. The only thing I know is that uh, they just got bought by the dude who the show Billions is based off of. So. Oh really, Bobby Axelrod? Bobby Axelrod. They got. Okay. Let's go. Right. Let's go. I, I didn't. I didn't realize that was that was that guy's like claim to fame. I mean. Claim to fame. Let's just say there's some creative license with how the show goes. <laughs> and yeah, my exactly. dude really did. But that's a story for another day. Today we are here because the NBA finals Let's are go. here. And there was a time not too long ago where I got to be honest, I didn't know if we would see the day that we would be here trying to crown a 2020 NBA champion. But the Miami Heat will take on the Los Angeles Lakers. For the NBA Finals, also known as the Larry OB, thanks to Kawhi. Hey, but as the famous saying goes, Webby, before you know where we're going, we got to know where we came from. And so we'll get to the predictions at the end. But first, LeBron and the Lakers ended Jamal Murray and the Nuggets run in the bubble by eliminating them in five. No 3-1 comeback this time. But the Lakers lay it down, the smacketh down, 4-1. What was your biggest takeaway from the Western Conference Finals, Mr. Webster? I I hate to go back to the well about this, but it just reiterated to me that Giannis's (laughs) MVP this year is completely illegitimate. After seeing what LeBron did in the elimination elimination game five, I mean, we've seen some incredible... Uh, especially with his backing, or not really his back against the wall, but in elimination games, mm-hmm. that game seven against Boston with the Heat comes to mind. Um, you know what, that game one uh, in the series in the that they lost the, to, yeah, the Wiz, in the finals. The, the Wiz, wow. The Warriors. The, uh, <laughs> Warriors. So just, like, he has these incredible, like, indiv- uh, against Detroit, obviously, back in the Cavs, back in the day. He has these incredible individual performances, and that one against the Nuggets to basically take off their head yeah. and book their spot in the finals was amazing. To see a guy that old, and it's not just that he's doing that. We've seen him do it before, but at the age that he is, and with the team that he has around him, to be able to take over so dominantly mm-hmm. and force his will, it's just like it was so impressive to watch. And then the thing that really stood out to me was, uh, I don't know if it was you who posted this picture on Instagram okay. maybe, but it was the Heat celebrating going to the finals and LeBron just sitting on the court 
with his hat on. Yes. And, like, just his whole aura of, like, no, nah, there's nothing to celebrate. Like, this is just part of the process of winning another finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and how it's just another step, you know? Like, there's nothing to celebrate. The job's not over. The next step is going to be the hardest one, as it always is. And so that kind of difference in those teams, we're going to get to our predictions later, but that really stood out to me that even at this age, we talk about LeBron needing to motivate himself, uh, you know, whether it was him talking about Giannis's MVP or um, all the stories that I'm sure are going to be written over the next couple of days about he and Pat Riley's uh, relationship over the last <laughs> couple of years. But just to have that bit of extra motivation of, you know, this isn't over, this is nothing to celebrate, that really stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, LeBron, 38, 16, and 10 to close out the Nuggets. Nuts. Nuts. That's an insane line. And just the way that he did it, because, again, in the closeout games, or even going back to uh, them going up 3-1, LeBron's ability to say at the end of the game, hey, I'm going to guard Jamal Murray. Yeah. Take on that assignment and... Jamal Murray and the and the Nuggets. Let's be serious. I think they ran out of gas. Jamal Curry was Jamal Jamal Curry. Did I just Jamal Curry? Did I really call him that? Whoa, That's brilliant. Wow. See, this is my other thing too. Is did, that somewhere that really just happened? Somewhere, Steph Curry. Like I want to see next year. Like the the pictures of Steph Curry just jacked. You know, like <laughs> okay. in that best shape of his life thing. Okay, like he must be at home dying right now. Well, he's been now in Toronto for the longest time now. Really? Yeah, he's been in Toronto oh, just hanging. COVID. Wow, jeez. So <laughs> many different angle ways I could go with that. I'm just going to let that one go, Webby. Um, but, <laughs> but like, I mean, I, I, I know that, you know, they didn't have every team in the bubble, but, man, like, it. I know a lot of people are going to say, you know, asterisks on this season, mm-hmm. but, man, it would have been different to see if the Warriors could have made a run mm-hmm. or if they were healthy. Because you know he's got to be kicking himself because we're all basically forgetting about Steph Curry. Well, that's right the thing now. about next season. Next season, you're going to get the Nets and Warriors as like two finals contenders, right? And yeah. that's before we know what happens in free agency, which we know will be crazy. But <laughs> yeah. you mentioned LeBron and his like non-celebration. The one thing I'll say, and, and I'm going to say this multiple times, I'm not a LeBron hater. If you follow the pod, you know, I'm definitely not a LeBron hater. I'm not one of those people. But... I will say LeBron knows what he's doing when he just has his flip-flops and sits down beside everybody else. Like he knows while the confetti comes down, like he knows that's going to be on the gram and everyone's going to be like, look at how focused he is. Like he's very calculated and knows what he's doing. But with that said, I'm not mad at him at all. Hey, what he's done is it's incredible, right? Since what is it? Since 2011, other than last year, LeBron's been in every single NBA Finals. It, like yeah, that's insane. Yeah. It's an incredible stat. Like you think about. And last year I he mean, was hurt. Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> and that was at the pretty probably the only reason they didn't make it. He probably would have dragged that uh, sorry ass Lakers I doubt team it. with Lonzo and Ingram to the finals as well. Uh, I don't think so. But Man, maybe, maybe I just not. think LeBron is very. LeBron doesn't do anything by accident. I'll say that, right? right. So a great run for, for the Lakers, but salute to the Nuggets and what they accomplished. And you might not even remember this, Webby, but in one of our previews we did for the playoffs, when I asked you about a surprise team that could make some noise in the bubble and make it a little further than a lot of people might expect them to, you did say the Denver Nuggets. 
So I know, and even I think that they were a two seed mm-hmm. or a three seed in the conference or something. They were a high seed, yeah. but it just seemed like in the years previous they had so underperformed, yeah. and they were just waiting for a postseason that they could show everybody what you and I, who watch a ton of mm-hmm. games, have known for a little while that Jokic and Murray is not a duo to mess with. Yeah. And then adding guys like Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Grant. Grant to that to that mix only makes them stronger. So yeah, I figured that they would uh, that they would make a little noise, and getting through two rounds was incredible. And uh, you know, even taking a game off the Lakers in this iteration of uh, that team is is pretty impressive. And let, the other part too is it is gonna catch up to you playing in Game Sevens every other night. Yeah. Right. And coming back from three, one down and back to back series is just a tough hole. And to beat LeBron and the Lakers, just like to beat the Clippers and Kawhi, you need a lot of things to go in your in your way. And so you kind of just you saw them run out of steam. Jamal Murray was hobbled in that final game, but it doesn't take away just the obvious leap that that man made in terms of just getting his name out there among real NBA like NBA bandwagoners, I want to say, because the real heads knew if you follow Canada basketball, you knew we talked about it on this podcast a a while ago, and I'll never forget this too. A long time ago when Jay Triano came on Tim and Sid, he said this off the air, and I feel comfortable saying this now because like, what's the big deal? But he said it off the air at the time. So this is before Jamal Murray went to Kentucky. And what he said was, He's going to be better than Wiggins. And if you and it sounds crazy to think about that statement now, ben. but if you go back then to that moment in time when we're thinking, "Oh, really? What?" Like we knew Jamal Murray was good, but his whole thing was, "No, no, no." Like in terms of baller, like a basketball skilled player, Jamal Murray is going to be that dude. And he said that then, as opposed to Wiggins, we know he's super athletic. And that's kind of where, you know, he like he's physically gifted. Jamal Murray, he's in the gym shooting jumpers, working on his game. Like, he wants to smoke. And we saw that now. Yeah. So it's crazy. I always think back to that moment because I think that's such a, you know, I mean, that's a real basketball head, obviously, in terms of Canada basketball circles. But to see where Jamal Murray's game is at now, I mean, when you're putting up multiple 40 and 50 pieces in the playoffs, you're here, you've arrived, you are a star in the NBA. So salute to Jamal Murray for sure, and salute to LeBron and the Lakers for making it back to the finals again. And great Western Conference final, even though it was 4-1, I think we were still entertained by that series a lot more than some might have thought going in. So huge shouts there. That brings us to the Eastern Conference finals, and the Miami Heat eliminated the Boston Celtics in six games. And this was a a strange series because a lot of the games were super close. And then if you go to that last game, it was very close until the very end. Yeah. Until it wasn't it like flipped like that. crazy. But what stood out to you the most about this heat win in six games? So it was that the, I mean, in our podcast before I picked the Celtics because of their talent, mm-hmm. because of their top end talent, yeah. that top end talent is not yet old enough. Yeah. They don't have the experience. They might have a great coach, but, I mean, it didn't look like Stevens could figure out the zone. (laughs) But those young guys, those young guys are almost there. They're not quite there. Now, do they have a move to make in the offseason? 
yeah, probably, and probably a big we'll one, get there. especially we'll get with there. Danny Ainge helming that team. But I really think, I mean, the Heat are the best story of the NBA playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that team is so, we talk about it all the time, is that, that Heat mentality of having the young guys and the veterans and how they get to coagulate and form a winning basketball team. Uh, Iggy was awesome down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, Jay Crowder has been great, and then you add in, obviously, Mr. $300 on Backwoods, Tyler Harrow, <laughs> who's been sweeping the nation, and Bam, who is, like, literally the best player in the NBA, well, <laughs> apart from apart from probably LeBron, but Bam's ascent, ascent here in the bubble has been incredible, and you want to talk about how mainstream media doesn't really know about Jamal Murray, this is... Another guy whose name is now popping up yeah. with NBA bandwagon fans, as we say. But we've known about Bam for a while. Now, Calipari said if you would, if people were saying that he was going to be this three, four years ago, they were smoking crack or whatever, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Probably didn't think Bam was going to be this good, but we knew that he had the athletic ability. Uh, but just to see him... And, uh, and and this Heat team, this Heat culture, make it this far again in a conference that, again, we thought could have been totally up for grabs by a bunch of different teams. Yeah. What were they, the four seed, the five seed? Yeah, they were the five and seed. They were the five seed, and it's like Giannis, gone. Toronto, gone. Boston, gone. Philly didn't even show up, <laughs> and it's the Heat. It's the heat that make it. That's it's awesome. It's a great story, and uh, and we're gonna see if they can uh, put up with the star power of LeBron and Anthony Davis. Well, one of the things here that we say a lot on this pod is choose where you get your takes from wisely. And if you listen to this pod, we've been telling you all season long the Eastern Conference title was gonna be up for grabs. It could have been one of five teams, six teams, if you include the Sixers before their implosion, but we've been talking about You would have thought this. it would be the team, you would have thought it would be the team with the two-time MVP, but, but we talked. We know how that but happened. We, we talked about this all year long. We weren't surprised by, you know, them going out in the second yeah. round, and, you know, the Miami Heat, I... I hate retweeting myself, but I feel like what happens... Might have to do it. No, 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 no. But I feel like what happens a lot is that people get sucked into the narratives. And I, my biggest pet peeve with 2020 is that people don't keep receipts in terms of what they say. So I always try to hold myself accountable for when I say something stupid and when I say something correct. And hey, right. I was wrong on the Clippers, right? Clippers, I thought right. the Clippers were going to win the NBA championship, thought they were going to beat the Lakers. Cool. Wrong. But when we look at the Miami Heat, okay, I was out here saying from the start of the season, before they got Iggy and Jay Crowder, look out for the Miami Heat, just because early on in the season, you could see, oh, they found something in Duncan Robinson. Oh, they found something in Tyler Hero. Those guys just came into their lineup, and you know that the big thing that really helped them, that is kind of going under the radar here is Goran Dragic has, has led them in scoring. Him and Jimmy are both at 20 points a night. He's been healthy. The time off allowed him to heal up and be fresh. And he's been Not a huge only healthy, but this is a guy who was on the block like before the season and throughout this the first half of the season, they were actively shopping Goran Dragic well, 
And now, since the bubble, he, you're right. He's been the absolute glue guy, the guy that the the X factor on the team. Yeah, use a cliche. Just a gamer. And the thing too is, you know, we're talking about the Heat young guys, but we're not even mentioning Kendrick Nunn because he's not playing, right? And yeah. he was right, yeah. on the All Rookie First Team, so he had a really good season. He was their starting point guard, and now he's not even getting minutes in the playoffs. He's lost his minutes to Goran Dragic. The reason I bring that up is because why Miami is here is because something we talk about on this On Blast podcast network, we normally talk about it with the Raptors, obviously, but it's organizational depth. And I think if mm-hmm. you're the Raptors or you pay attention to the Miami Heat, it looks very familiar <laughs> if you think about it, right? The young guys meshing with the old guys and go back to last season, Kawhi and Marcus and Kyle Lowry, and then now you're looking at Jimmy Butler, Dragic, uh, Jay Crowder, Igudala, and then you go back to the young guys, Pascal, Fred, and now you're coming to the heat and you're seeing Bam, right? You're seeing Tyler Hero. Like, it just makes too much sense. Add in good coaching as well, and it's organizational and even higher depth. higher than that, good front. I mean, it's top down. It goes all the way from ownership exactly. and front office all the way down to your 12th guy, your your 13th guy off the bench. Now, my only problem, or not problem, but the only thing that you, as a Heat fan, that I would be worried mm-hmm. about is that my team right now is only seven players deep. We're, we're, we're going to get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. When we when we talk about the actual matchup, we'll, we'll get to that. Right. But if we, if we stay right. here right. for a second on the, the Eastern Conference Finals, right? So, again, a couple things to bring up here in the Eastern Conference Finals. Spo outcoached Brad Stevens. And yeah, for those coaching, for those scoring at home, pardon me, spoke out coach Stevens who out coach nurse just for those keeping score at home. I'm not, and I'm not playing the result. I'm saying that for the real heads that watched the other not being able to make adjustments. So nurse wasn't able to make adjustments against what Brad Stevens was doing against the Raptors on defense, right? Switching the pick and rolls and all that. The Raptors had no answer the whole time. They fell into just a glorified three point shooting contest, right? Yeah. Spo throws the zone at Brad Stevens. The Celtics don't really have an answer and they fall into in crunch time, just jacking up threes, hoping that they go in. They don't go in. So they took L's, but just watching the adjustments that Spo was able to make because of the depth of the heat and in terms of scoring depth, like it was coming from every angle. And so if you think about it, they had games, closeout games where Dragic, who was their leading scorer, was on the bench because they were riding with Iggy. So just watching the moves made by Spo, that's what stood out to me the most. And from that series, it was just the emphasis on the fact that heat culture is real right like we talk about it a lot yeah and what they've done with this team is incredible when you think about the fact that they lost lebron james chris bosh got a career ending health issue that he had to deal with and he like that money was still on the books for the heat for a couple years wade we already know he aged and retired cool but they never tanked They stayed above water, and when you break down what they did after LeBron James left, after that finals appearance, they didn't tank. They won 37 games, 48 games, 41 games, 48, 44 games, 39 games, and then this year back in the NBA Finals. That's incredible. That is culture, and I emphasize this again for Raptors fans to understand this is what we talk about with organizational depth, and the Raptors are on the same page 
in terms of just having that consistency where you expect success in the regular season and now the playoffs you're about championships that's your culture that you're building winning brand of basketball young guys old guys doesn't matter we're all living by the same creed yeah the long play rather than the short play totally agreed uh and you mentioned a move for the celtics if we flip to the Celtics here for a little bit. I think that I agree with you. I think something needs to be done because there's too much redundancy in terms of, you know, big time. So Tatum's not going anywhere. Right. But when you look at Jalen Brown and uh, Gordon Hayward and then and Marcus smart, Marcus smart, but I think you keep, so I think, okay, you just signed Kemba, right? Kemba Kemba staying, Tatum Tatum staying. staying. Marcus Smart adds a level of toughness and his contract is really good. I don't think you get rid of Marcus Smart. So I'd be looking at Hayward and and Jalen Brown, Brown, which you I know it's tough, but at the same time, Hayward's contract is going to be tough to get rid of. Jalen Brown might be the only other asset, but I think you need to change something up. You need a legit big guy. God bless Tice. He played above his head, did great, yeah. but when the chips are down, the other thing to remember too is, again, as tough as the East was this year, the Nets are coming next it's year. It's only going right? to get tough. Yeah, <laughs> so it's only going to get tough. Is there a move to be made? Are you with me here? You think the Celtics need to do something? Yeah, and you brought it up earlier. I think that this is the Bradley Beal landing Ooh, spot. Okay. I think that the Celtics, I'm not sure what their picks look like. They might be out of, but I could see Jalen Brown and a first or Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward and something else to get Bradley Beal. Beal. Ooh, that's an interesting one. I think, yeah, keep him in the conference. I think that would be the landing spot. Um, I, I think that, but that he's going to have a lot of potential landing spots. I think that he's going to be on a lot of people's lists, yeah. but I think that if we know anything about Danny Ainge is that these kind of big moves are what he does. Yeah. And like I say, there's no bigger name probably right now uh, that's available than Bradley Beal, other than maybe uh, Giannis. But again, <laughs> I wouldn't want to waste the capital on that. <laughs> so the other part I want to talk a little bit about here is Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens the boy wonder of the NBA gets a lot of pub for being one of the best coaches. And this I think is a weird playoff for him because you know, there's expectations like this season was about the Celtics winning the championship, but Gordon Hayward was out, which obviously changed a lot of things for their team. But when you look at it and how it played out, you didn't really need seven games or you shouldn't have needed seven games to beat the Raptors. Like the Raptors, I think, Mm You know, that was guts. That was all the playoff cliches about heart of a champion and great coaching and playing above their head. And, you know, but when you look at it talent wise, the Celtics should have taken care of the Raptors. And you would argue, you could make the argument that they're more talented than the Heat. So do we have to start looking at Brad Stevens differently than, you know, a lot of the praise that he gets in terms of being this boy genius? Get him back to college. He's not a real NBA coach. <laughs> but how how did um, he not know how to what to do against the zone? I don't get that. That's what I don't understand either. I that's why I kind of chalk it up to the young players of the Celtics not able to kind of figure it out. But you would think that their coach would you know have something diagrammed up to kind of bust up that zone. Yeah. Um, but I it's tough, right? He's honestly. 
it seems like he overperforms when he doesn't have the horses. Ah, uh, okay. And, and then when when he gets all the players, the 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 big priced superstars, the guys that are real game changers, yeah. that level of coaching doesn't necessarily work anymore. It's different, you know, almost like a a guy who needs young players to get at them mm-hmm. than a guy who knows how to manage big personalities and big superstars. Yeah. So I listen, I don't think that Brad Stevens is going anywhere yeah. in Boston. I think this is a guy that they've really invested mm-hmm. in. Do I has my opinion on him changed as one of the better coaches in the NBA? No, not really. I'd rather have him over most of the other coaches in the NBA as we've seen some really bad <laughs> ones. Um like I don't think that they're going to try and hire Doc back and get rid of him, but uh, but yeah, this is definitely a, a this is definitely a uh, black mark because they should have. Like I was saying, they had the talent to beat Miami, yeah. and he got out coached by Spo, which isn't an insult no. at all because Spo is a really good yeah. coach and has been for years. Almost underrated now at this point. Yeah, and and I think too the point you just made about being able to coach young guys and develop young guys that is something that Spo's also done. But the whole instance of going through it with LeBron and D Wade also gives him insight into how to deal with those superstars. And I think that that is it's two different things. You can be the X's and O's guys, but being able to manage the egos of the stars is totally different. And, you know, you mentioned Doc Rivers. He's has a great reputation for being able to manage the egos of stars. Is he a good X's and O's coach? Probably not, right? Nick Nurse proved last year he was a great X's and O's coach, but if you ask Kawhi as well, he said, I mean, I always point back to this and no one really takes it in as much as they say how great of a coach Nick Nurse was for Kawhi. Kawhi just said it is speech on the at the parade where he gave the laugh. People missed the part. And it's just because I'm a loser and I've watched it way too many times and picked it <laughs> apart. But Kawhi says he's like, Coach Nick, let me do what I do. Right. And then you see in the background, Lowry is sitting beside Siakam, I think, and they're just dying with laughter. And what I took from that was like, yeah, he lets you shoot whatever shot you wanted, whenever you wanted. And if we're being honest and you paid attention to the raps, he didn't really know the plays for most of the season. Right. So I bring that all up just to say to back up your point of coaching is so different. There's so many different layers to it, managing the egos, managing young players, developing young players. There's so much that goes into it. Right. And Brad Stevens has shown he can do the, he can coach young players. He can develop them. But when it gets to the next level, you need a little more maybe to get over the hump. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years. Cause you got Tatum locked in. He showed that he is that dude. He's nice. Jalen Brown is also nice. Would you like to keep those guys together? Yeah, right? You'd like to have them grow up together, but you're in a situation if you're Danny Ainge, you've rolled the dice already and added Gordon Hayward to a long-term contract. You've done the same with Kemba. So you're in a tough spot. You're in a very tough spot. And I'm going to be super interested to see how that plays out in the offseason. But yeah, I'll say this much, Webby. Before we get to that offseason... There's a big, big series left. One more big series left to go. And that, of course, is the NBA Finals, as mentioned. Again, starring your man's LeBron James. Going up against his former team, 
the Miami Heat. This is so juicy on so many levels. Once you remember the history of LeBron, I want to say in Heat circles, if you hear them talk about it. In Pat Riley's circle. Pat Riley was a little bit salty about how it ended. Felt like LeBron sort of led them astray and, and wasted their time knowing that he wasn't coming back force them to to come out and, and fly out to Vegas, I think it was, to have a meeting yeah. with them. And now LeBron left. Pat Riley wasn't really happy about it. And now here we are again. And I, then add in Pat Riley's former team, the Showtime Lakers. <laughs> so this is so good. But who do you like in this series, Webby, and why? We'll start there. Okay, well, it's been my prediction since we started this season. Correct. I like the Lakers to win the NBA championship. Uh, whether it's, I would say probably six games, maybe seven games. Okay. If this Heat magic can keep up. But to me, it's this. The Heat looks so spectacular against the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And you said it earlier. Tice did as much as he could. Yeah. But there's only so much you can do with really only one big guy. I know that they had a couple of other bigs that they threw in there, but they weren't necessarily that all that NBA Eastern Conference Finals mm-hmm. ready. You know who is? Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard. Okay, I know the last two names there aren't necessarily the sexiest names, but they are six fouls, they are seven-footers, they are rim protectors. We saw how good Dwight looked in the first half, at least, of the last two Lakers games there against the Nuggets. I think that that is a revelation for them. I think if they can especially use him as much as they can in the first half of games against the Heat, that's going to be a big thing. And the other thing about the Heat is that we've seen them maybe not have the best first halves against Boston. So if you can take advantage of that and then save LeBron for the third and fourth quarters, I think that's going to be a huge X factor. Yeah, I mean, let's there's there's no, you know, hiding or ducking from the fact that by far the Lakers have the two best players in this series, oh, right? Yeah. Like number 1 and 2 for sure, but then you look at the the Heat have Three, four, five, yeah, six, seven. Totally. So it's going to be the, those guys like Dwight, like JaVale, like Rondo, like Pope, yeah. like our boy Kuzma. If they can get any kind of moment, any kind of momentum, any kind of sustained success, that's just going to tip the scales for the Lakers like crazy. And here's the reason why I'm going with the Heat. And here, okay. here it is, right? Okay. So there, there's a lot of things, right? Extremely top-heavy, and I get that. But as you mentioned, who is the Lakers' third best player, right? Because every single game that they've played in these playoffs, right, when the games mattered, because if you go back to the end of the quote-unquote regular season, there was a lot of garbage time games where guys weren't playing, right? But the games that mattered, the only people that lead the Lakers in scoring is LeBron and Anthony Davis. So you let them cook. Mm -hmm. It's going to be tough to stop that at best. You can hope to slow them. But a thing we talked about last year in the NBA Finals when it was the Raptors and the Warriors, okay, was that's cool. You got two guys that can score, but you need to get to 100 points. So even if LeBron and AD both score 35 points, my math tells me that's only 70 points, right? Where are the other scoring coming from consistently from the Lakers? Because I don't know who their third best player is 
still to this point, and if you're going to tell me it's Dwight Howard or Rondo, and that's who you're relying on consistently night in, night out in the NBA Finals every other night, I don't know if I'm buying that. But I'll say this. But I would, I, I would counter with this, though. I would counter with this. I don't think the Lakers need a third best player. Uh, they haven't yet. I think the, they haven't yet. I, I think the Lakers need their – like, I mean, when LeBron took those Cavs teams without Kyrie mm-hmm. to the finals, who is their third best player? J.R. Smith? Yeah, but th- it's like, that's not – that's like, what, you, what, three years ago now? What 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 these teams, what these LeBron James teams need mm-hmm. is a huge number two, mm-hmm. which he has in Davis, yep. and then he needs the role guys to play their role to the best of their ability. For sure. They need they need Rondo to do Rondo things. Mm-hmm. They need Pope to hit an occasional three. Mm-hmm. They need Caruso to play defense. Yep. They need the bigs to stand to protect the rim and grab rebounds. I don't think that they need necessarily a third dog to win this series. So the only as weird as that the only reason why I go the other way is just because when you break down the Miami Heat scoring. So again, the third best player, I would rather have so whoever the third best player is, I'd still rather have Bam, Jimmy, Tyler Hero, Dragic, Duncan Robinson, Crowder, or even Iggy. Like Iggy would start on the Lakers. Danny Green, I would say that D- Duncan Robinson has not played that great. In the last couple of games. And I would still rather have him on my team than Danny Green. Who's getting <laughs> like sure. mega I, minutes. Yeah, even... <laughs> mega minutes on on the Lakers. And it's ungood. Ungood. It is not good at all. And again, I'd advise people if you don't follow Cuffs the Legend on Twitter, <laughs> you definitely should. His <laughs> Danny Green slander, even as a Lakers fan, is top notch. But going back to the Heat, and here's here's a balanced attack that they've gotten in the playoffs, right? You got Dragic at 20.9. You got Jimmy Butler at 20.7. Then you got Bam at 18.5. Hero at 16.5. Crowder at 12. Duncan Robinson at 10. That level of balanced scoring, and we've seen the last series where Jimmy Butler didn't lead them in scoring once in that whole yeah. entire series. So again, another thing, how you can tell the people who are talking about ball but don't really know what they're talking about is going to be Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. Yes, Jimmy is a leader, but in basketball terms, that means more than just scoring the basketball, right? Real heads like us, we know that. We talk about that all the time. So the fact that the Heat can get a 30-piece from like three different dudes, that is going to be more difficult for Vogel to try to focus in on and how do we stop what they're doing game plan-wise. If I'm if I'm Spo, we know Spo and Riley right now are sitting around coming up with the game plan of how do we just slow think of the Belichick way, right? How do we take something away from you? Take what you do best and turn it into your weakness. Something. So my thing is I'm gonna make thirty seven year old or thirty six year old LeBron James, I'm gonna make him work really hard. Yeah. I'm not gonna allow him to walk the ball up the floor. I'm gonna Say, Crowder, hey, you might not score your 12 points a night. You might only score eight, maybe six. But you're going to pick up LeBron full court the whole game. Yeah. And it might not tire you're him out. Live in his yeah, you're not yeah. going to tire him out in game one. But by the time we get to game five playing every other night, he's going to be tired. Also, you're limiting LeBron's ability to get the open shots for the other guys. 
all those other dudes, the other part of this Heat team is minus Duncan Robinson. Jimmy can get his own shot. Dragic can get his own shot. Bam can get his own shot, right? The Lakers, again, it's just AD and LeBron. So if you slow LeBron and slow his process or his ability, and I'm saying slow because it's LeBron James, you're never going to stop <laughs> yeah, him. You're not going to stop no. him. But you focus in on taking away the others, and I would dare Anthony Davis to score 40 a night. Let me see you do it, AD. Let me see you do it. That's what I, that's what I'm saying. Make LeBron work because we know he wants to play at his own pace, walk the ball up the floor, do all that stuff. No, no, no. We're going to pressure you. We're going to make you play defense. We're going to make you play hard. And we're going to throw Iggy at you. We're going to throw Jimmy at you. We're going to throw Bam at you. We're going to throw a zone at you. We're going to throw all these different defenses at you. But also, here's the key, Webby. Spo coached LeBron in maybe one of his biggest playoff fumbles in his career. Yeah. That first year when they against, against Dallas. Dallas when it was a defensive game plan drawn up by your boy Dwayne Casey by the way. Yeah. What it was piggybacking off something Pop did so well even in the the later series where the Heat won the championship, it was turning LeBron into a jump shooter. And if you're going to hit yep. all those jump shots and you're not going to get in the lane and pass and do all that stuff, get all the way downhill to the basket, we don't want that. We're going to make you a jump shooter. And if you hit all your jumpers, cool. We deserve to lose. I'm so, like, Spo and them are sitting in the lab right now. And that's really the main reason why I'm confident in taking the heat in this series is because Spo, I know they got the game plan. I know they got the offensive game plan already. They got the defensive game plan. And them boys are hungry. Them boys are hungry. They're not happy to be I, there. I think the Nuggets had some happy to be there type vibes. The Heat, yeah. nah. We're we're here. We're trying to win. Notice they said no confetti. We don't want none of that confetti. What is, what is this? No confetti dropping in the damn bubble? Nah, miss me with that. My only thing is, is that that's fine and good yes, turn <laughs> lebron into a jump shooter that's how you stop him absolutely we've seen that in the past mm-hmm. but that you're you're assuming then that lebron isn't also evolving or hasn't evolved from that. that's fair and we've seen him in finals before mm-hmm. turn into what looks like the best power forward in the league yeah. using his body getting down into the paint busting up a zone like that getting right into the middle of it and getting to the line. And, and something that, honestly, as he's gotten older, he's been able to figure that out. Remember when he was young and everybody was saying, oh, he needs to go to Hakeem's post-school and he's never really going to reach the next yep. level until he learns how to use his post-game? Oh, yeah. Well, we've seen him use it before. And that's what the brilliance of LeBron is, is that he can beat you by being Magic Johnson. He can beat you by being Carl Malone. Mm-hmm. He can beat you in so many different ways that, sure, Pat Riley and Spo are on one side, crap, sipping their scotches <laughs> out of crystal glasses, diagramming up how to beat LeBron. But, you know, LeBron is also in the lab. For sure. Okay? Totally. Mixing the beakers together. <laughs> you know, just looking at a picture of Anthony Davis yeah. and staring at it, looking at a picture of Alex Caruso yeah, yeah, and staring yeah. at it, and then writing numbers on a big whiteboard. <laughs> like, he's also doing his homework as well. And so it's going to be an awesome awesome oh. uh kind of like 
you've got one of the best basketball coaching minds in Spo, mm -hmm. a guy who's been in the film room literally since he began his basketball career, yep. and you have the smartest basketball not mind for a player, I think, that's ever been around. And to see those two, we talk about chess matches with uh, Spo and Brad Stevens, mm -hmm. Brad Stevens with Nick Nurse. Let's do the, the Heat culture and LeBron James, yep. that, that chess yep. match. And honestly, the, literally, the only reason that I'm taking the Heat, like, because I love the yeah. Heat. I love the team. I, I love Harrow. I love Jimmy. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to spend $20 of cash money to get a big face coffee <laughs> anytime. I'm ready. But I picked LeBron and the Lakers to win at the beginning of the year. I picked them at the beginning of the bubble. I picked them when the playoffs started. And daggummit, I'm picking LeBron and the Lakers to win the NBA Finals again. Hey, man. And you know what? I'm, I'm piggybacking off what you just said because it's a, it's a this is how great of an NBA Finals this is about to be because I like LeBron. I'm not going to be mad at LeBron if he wins another championship. I think why I'm so hyped is because... I think this will be a much better series than most people think just because they're just saying, oh, well, AD and LeBron, like, how are they going to stop that? And it's going to be fun to see if LeBron and AD are committed to the bully ball. Me and you have talked about this from the start of the year, right? If those two guys commit to bully ball, they force it into a math series and the math, it just means the heat would have to shoot a greater number of threes Right, they'd have to shoot yeah. at a high clip and they're not, to win, and they're not a great three point shooting they're team. They're pretty good. I mean, Hero, they're they're pretty good. Hero's really Duncan good. Duncan Robinson's really good. Really, Jimmy doesn't really shoot the three. But with Dragic, Bam's not a three point no, shooter. But with Dragic playing Dragic well, can. with Dragic playing well, yeah. you're talking Dragic, you're talking Hero, you're talking Duncan Robinson, and you're talking Crowder, who shoots better than you think from three. Come on, better than you think Come from on. three. He shot great in the Buck series, but he's not a no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he shot better than you think from three. That's that's all I'm saying. Like right. I'm looking it up right now. What would you say? What would you think Jay Crowder shoots from three? Are we talking percentage? Percentage wise? Wise. career? We're talking about in this playoffs in, these, in the in bubble? these playoffs in these playoffs right now in the bubble in these playoffs. Uh, thirty-two percent, thirty-four, thirty-four point four percent close i was you're close. close but like hero who we think is an except like he's at 37 almost 38 yeah. right duncan robinson's at 40 the point is i just think this series will be a lot closer than we think they got the goons that are not afraid of lebron if there's one thing that we can guarantee we know those dudes are not afraid of lebron yeah. they have multiple bodies not afraid of anybody iggy's gonna get a lot of minutes just to be in lebron's grill like, he literally doesn't have to do anything other than just be in LeBron's grill the whole time. And that's going to be a huge factor in this series. The others are going to have to step up for the Lakers, and I don't know if they can. But I do know that the guys on the Heat can. So it's it's going to be just a coaching duel, which I give the advantage to Spo. And overall, Webby, I got Heat in six, but it's because I just think this is in six. In six. I just think it's going to be a great, great series. And the chess pieces are going to be moving all over the place. And it comes down to, can old man LeBron, who's proven that he can do it so far, can he continue to do it? And can AD do it going 35 a night, each and every night, against the defense that we know will be drawn up trying to stop them? 
Like Mike Malone is a good solid coach, but he's not Spo. Mike D'Antoni definitely is not Spo, right? <laughs> and and Portland, as we mentioned, Terry Stotts. Terry Stotts. We mentioned Portland ran out of gas. We knew Portland. I know I, I I was on the Portland train. I thought they would give them a go, and they didn't. But here we are, and I'm on the heat, man. It'll be a fun series. Oh, above all, I think with all the craziness, with all the uncertainty of getting this season underway, the fact that we've gotten to a Lakers Heat final, this is great. I, I'm yeah. I'm happy it's it's because I think the Heat have a better chance than the Celtics would have because I think as as we've seen the Celtics aren't ready they're not ready to take down LeBron right um the other th- the other thing that we're not talking about though is that the rest factor for LeBron and only having to play five games in each series yes that's huge nobody pushed him past that it's huge so another thing he's got a little more rest than he usually and has. he needs it. Right. Like the reality is he needs it. And that's why I'm going to be so focused on picking him up full court. If he's bringing the ball up, I'm going to be guarding him hard. Like they're going to need Rondo to play better. They're going to need Caruso. They're going to need Kuzma. It's going to be an interesting, interesting series. And I can't wait to see it tip off. It's going to be so much fun. Um, But yeah, finals picks. uh, As Webby said, he's got the Lakers in six, six. And I have the Heat in six. So. We'll, we'll be here. We'll see. Um, someone who might have time to also make a prediction because he's no longer a head coach. <laughs> and we got to mention this before, you know, we, we end the basketball talk. Woj dropping a huge Woj bomb that uh, Doc Rivers and Steve Ballmer and the Celtic or the Celtics and the Clippers have decided to end their relationship part, part ways, part ways, part ways. Yes. It was just Doc Rivers out as Clippers coach. They've mutually agreed to let Doc Rivers step down as coach. I think that's how it was worded. Um, we talked about this after losing, after the Clippers lost that series. And I we, we both brought it up. So this is in hindsight. Is it time to look at Doc Rivers? And clearly yeah. Ballmer thought it was. But why do you yeah. think this move happened now? See, the thing that when I saw the news, what initially reached out to me, like struck my mind was, I wonder if this was more of a, he was told to leave or if he went to Bomber and said, you know what, I'm good, you know, maybe I don't want to deal with all the leaks coming out with this team in terms of uh, this is what the locker room was like during the playoffs. I don't know if I really want to deal with these two superstars and all these big, powerful personalities on this team. Maybe he was just like, maybe I can try my my skills with another team. So to me, it was not something that was like a big uh, um, referendum on Doc's coaching style. I I think it might have been more of a he was ready for the next chapter. It's interesting, right? Because there, there's a lot of ways you could go with this. And the way that everything played out, do I think that it's a surprise or a coincidence rather? Do I think it's a coincidence that Doc gets fired right after the Lakers make it to the finals and beat the team very easily for one that the Clippers that- blew a lead to? And if I'm Steve Bomber and I'm sitting there watching this, I'm like, wait, how did like, no, this is unacceptable. Something has to happen. So there's a lot of different ways you could look at this because there was obviously Clippers turmoil, which we discussed in last week's pod, right? As they exited the bubble. 
A lot of whispers coming out about Paul George and all that. That leads me to think that, hey, is there a world where they could already be talking about, do we need to make roster moves? And maybe Doc wasn't on board with the roster moves that Mm -hmm. were going to be made. That could be a thing. Um, It could be a thing to where they were worried about Ty Lue leaving, right? And if Ty Lue was going to go get another job and they want to keep Ty Lue, Maybe that's a thing. Like, there's so many different angles to this that... Moving parts. Yeah, so many moving parts. But I think from a basketball perspective, this is the right move. Because if I'm Balmer... They need a fresh start, fresh face, whatever it is. Here's the thing. It was unacceptable, the defensive play calls that they had against Luka. They had no answer for Luka, which I'm not saying that they should, like, neutralize Luka or stop Luka, but... It was embarrassing. Have a plan. Well, it was embarrassing to see uh, Bobby Schmurda out there trying to guard Luca on an island with the game on the line. <laughs> and it's like, that makes no sense. Like, you have all these defensive weapons, and your choice was to have uh, Reggie Jackson come out and try to guard Luca with the game on the line. Like, that makes, there's too many things that were unacceptable if you're Doc Rivers. And blowing that many 3 1 leads including, you know, just the fact that you watch the Nuggets then falter against the Lakers in the same situation, but you blew how many 20-point leads against them? All those things add up, and it's too much on the hands of Doc Rivers because the roster's there, and if you're Balmer and you're not the basketball guy, but you got to remember, Doc was the one that convinced Balmer to go all in and make all those picks trade all those picks to get Paul George, to get Paul George and Kawhi. So then when it doesn't work, and not only did it not work, but it failed miserably, embarrassingly, Doc's got to eat that. Doc's got to eat that. Um, Who's next? Like, who do you think is, or should they bring in? Rumored, oh, the rumored was... It's going to be Ty Lue, is The rumors it? were Ty Lue or Jeff Van Gundy. JVG. Well, I, listen, I'm sure that Bomber would like the splashier of the two, you know, the bigger name. But I think that the basketball people around the team will make a huge push for Lou. Yeah, and here's, a th- I mean, bottom line, much like when we talked about KD and the Nets, you're just... It's who the players You're want. going to Kawhi and being like, hey, Kawhi, who do you want? Yeah. Or maybe even you're going to Paul George, and Paul George might have thought, hey, this was kind of weird, me coaching... <laughs> his ex's dad yeah who, which <laughs> oh we don't, man yeah, that story is crazy it's a wormhole people i'll just say get your googles up oh, if you want to search doc rivers daughter paul george paul george it's a very interesting internet search we'll just say that and let y'all go off because we've already almost hit an hour <laughs> we could be here between that and the whole triangle between tyler hero and kuzma and <laughs> and homegirl being in the bubble, lots of oh, is she there? Oh, she's oh, I didn't realize she was. She's there. there. Anyway, yeah, there's a lot going on, but I just think you know you got to automatically go to the players, and if you're Balmer, you're listening to Paul George and Kawhi, right? Yeah. And if Paul George and Kawhi have someone else in mind, if they didn't like how Doc handled certain things, you know, and and hey, maybe Doc also thought. Hey, I don't like all these other people having a say. Maybe I'll just step away. Who knows? But either way, that era is over. Uh, do you want Doc in Philly? 
I don't know if I want necessarily want Doc in Philly, but it makes the most sense of any other coaching candidate that I've heard. Hmm. A guy who has uh, a tr- long track record of working with big personalities and big stars hmm. um, it would make sense with having Simmons and Embiid and trying to get them together, do a little Ubuntu like he yeah. did in Boston, yeah. you know, try and get everybody on the same page. We'll see. But if it were me, I'd still try to see what I could get for Simmons and build around shooters and Embiid. But that's just me. I, I, I'm sure that that's where this ownership is really looking towards is to bring in Doc Rivers. Yeah. And when, if they do, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's it's going to be a crazy offseason. And the NBA Finals yeah. is going to be great. There's going to be so much. Yeah, there's still so much that need, that is going to happen and it's so funny, like, a lot of these teams have already, you know, made the coaching higher, you know, like, Billy Donovan's already been hired in Chicago, yeah. like, when there's still so much, there's a draft and a whole bunch of free agent stuff to come down the pipe, which is like, when is the draft? I don't even know. Sometime in October. I don't I don't even know. In October. Uh, to be honest, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm going to, offhand, I couldn't even tell you. I'm going to Google it right now as we're talking. But the crazy part is, you know, you, you think about the draft, you think about free agency and just when the next season starts. Oh, I was wrong. Wednesday, November 18th is the NBA draft. Okay. So it's still a little further yeah, away. Still a ways away. But uh, so it's going to be interesting. This whole offseason with the coaching carousel, how that's going to play out, how teams are going to react to what just happened to the bubble. Are teams going to overreact to what happened to the bubble or are they, they going to come back and say, hey, well, this was just a crazy experience and we're going to come back with our squad under quote-unquote, I guess, non-bubble circumstances and see how it plays out. Either way, though, Doc Rivers, end of the day, should have won more with the Blake and CP3 uh, era Clippers. You should have won more with this Kawhi and Paul George era Clippers. And I still say you should have won more with the Celtics. And, you know, the Celtics, that Celtics-Paul Pierce team, we think of as if they were some dynasty or something, and they won one championship. Yeah, they... They were good. They were good. They no, they no, no. got to two finals. They and were a, good. What couple more conference finals? Way more than the. But Clippers let me ask did. you something. Who do we who do we think of as a better like dynasty run? That Celtics team or from a similar era, the Pistons team. Yeah, the right, yeah. and that's well, what I'm saying. The Pistons, Pistons won, the Pistons won, won one championship as well, but they made another NBA Finals, and they were in the conference finals like four or five straight years. The Celtics so, team was only in the conference finals, I want to say, the three years. Let me look that up. But the point is, the point I'm making is finals. that it's two finals, right? Two finals, and they yeah, lost. Yeah, they didn't make two, 09. They weren't there because it was Cleveland and the Magic. And the Magic, and that's when, and that's when, uh, that's when they lost, that right? So KG was hurt. KG got hurt. Yeah. So they won in the finals. Lost in the conference semis, then lost in the finals, lost in the conference semis, lost, conference. lost in the conference finals. So they only made, what, one, two, three conference finals. If you go back to that Pistons team, and the the only point I'm making is, but the only point I'm making is, we don't think of the Pistons as being like these great winners or with as much right. pub as we do that Boston Celtics era team. That's all I'm saying. Right. That's all I'm saying. Uh, But... 
basketball, basketball, basketball. Great to talk to you about that as always. But you know, the regulars here on the Ball on Blast podcast know we like to wrap things up with something a little different, something non-basketball. We call it Ask on Blast. And last week I'd ask you if you'd seen the Netflix doc called The Social Dilemma. And... I, I had some homework. I had not seen it. I mean, hey, some some fun homework, but at the same time, I know you're busy over there, Webby, with with young Ivy, and so you know, That's I don't right. try to throw too much your way. You know, don't try to throw too much your <laughs> we, way. My wife and I did get to watch a movie together for the first time uh, in six weeks okay. since Ivy was born, yeah. and so we sat down and watched the Social Dilemma. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yes. Uh, And not just the subject matter, but really the way the doc was put together Mm -hmm. by having the talking heads, you know, uh, giving interviews. And they got some really crazy access with some guys who had some really high level jobs with companies like Twitter and Google and Facebook and Pinterest and all these social media giants that we know. But then also having those... um, like the dramatizations yeah. in there of the family and then of my boy Pete Campbell <laughs> from Mad Men as the as the three-headed monster in your social media, the advertising guy, the engagement yeah. guy, and the – I forget what the other guy was. But just to like yeah. kind of give you – it seemed to me like – remember um, what was that movie about the financial crash? The Big Short. The Big Short, yes. How The Big Short had those little like interludes mm-hmm. of Margot Robbie in the bathtub explaining the – you know, what was happening with the financial crisis. So I kind of liked that. I thought it was pretty unique in terms of a documentary. You don't really see that a lot, but the man, the subject matter was crazy. Yeah. So for those who don't know, the film basically explores the rise of social media and the damage it's, it's caused to society. And it's focusing on basically the exploitation of its users for financial gain through what is termed as surveillance, capitalism and data mining. And basically how all these things, whether it's Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they've all been built to capitalize on our addiction, right? And then the use of how they use that and how it's been used for politics and how it affects people's mental health. Um, It was... You know, the crazy line was that the it was just one of the quotes that came up. And it was like, there's only two businesses that refer to their customers as users, social media, and drugs. Yeah. Insane. Crazy. Right? Insane. And it was one of those things where I made sure to tell a lot of people that I know to watch it just because I feel like it's an important watch for everybody in this generation that we, because we're also consumed by social media, right? We all use it. And one thing I always say all the time, and and you know, I think it gets misconstrued, but I always try to tell people like just in conversation with friends, like, just under like it's using social social media isn't bad. How we use it is bad. We yeah. can choose to use it for good and we can choose to use it to be productive or we can choose to use it to just scroll for whatever on Instagram. Right. I was trying to keep the conversation serious instead of saying scroll, <laughs> scroll for ass because I, I know I'd get sidetracked. <laughs> but the point remains. Right. So. To me, this is what the focus of the movie was, and it was such a good breakdown in terms of, hey, these things are meant to get us addicted to them. So when we pick up our phone, like that's such a bad thing that happens, 
And we don't even understand how much of a problem that is. Then when you get into the level of, okay, well, what are people actually watching and taking in as news? Like how many times just in conversations with your friends or family or whoever, they bring up a story and you'll, or, oh, did you see this guy did this? And it's like, oh, where'd you see that? Oh, I saw it online. Okay. But yeah, but what was the source? It's like, uh, I I don't know. I just saw it online. And it's like, that's where our society is going. And it's, it was scary, right? Like it was when you watch it and you're taking it in. And if you're really understanding what they're trying to tell us that like, you know, it's going to keep going because it's all based off of making more and more money. So they're incentivized to keep doing this. That part is scary when you get into the misinformation in politics and I mean, hell, this coronavirus pandemic that's still going on. It's just, it was, it was nerve wracking. And I feel like I brought it up so that everyone would watch it. Cause I think it's a must watch for sure. Now you brought up the, just brought up the point there that it's so like the money involved mm-hmm. in it. And so this is what I was kind of saying to my wife as well. It's like at the end of the documentary, they're like, Oh, so how do we fix this? And it's like, there's no fixing this. Can't. Like the money is already so ingrained in this that you're not going to be able to break it because too many people are making money off of it. And now it's getting to be like politics. And we're seeing this as well in, especially in the States mm-hmm. with, you know, the Democrats, Republicans, it doesn't matter. They're all in it for the same yeah. thing, which is to keep in power, to keep making money. And anytime somebody introduces a way to break that cycle, they're going to get pushed down no matter whether I'm there on the right or the mm-hmm. left because there's too many people making too much money and they're going to do everything in their power to keep it that way and to keep people who aren't making the money from making that money. And it's the same with social media. It's the same with politics. It's the same with capitalism. It's the same with pretty much anything. Yeah is that the money is now too ingrained in it and change is almost impossible. Yeah. Now, well, I don't know what, what's going to happen, what it's going to take for change, a disaster or something. Like, like I was talking about climate change, yeah. but it's really depressing. And all you can do is be so mindful about it and keep what you're doing, you know, for you, yeah. right? Well, I think the, the two, my big two takeaways from it was one that, the only way it's going to change, the government has to come in on some level and try to interject and, you know, take out these things that are clearly harmful. I think at one point yeah. they talked about, um, you know, the reason why there are regulations on alcohol and cigarettes. It's because eventually the government comes in and says, hey, yes, you can have this, but we need to put regulations on it in some form because it's for the betterment of society. Right. And so we don't think of Facebook and YouTube and all these things in that way until it's going to be too late. Right. Because it's going to be like, well, what's the big deal? And they have different examples, whether it's Pizzagate. And I love to see a redux of it, like when this coronavirus pandemic is over, just like a deep dive into like how the news of this and I'm doing news with air quotes really spread around and misinformation because You know, the other part, they did a really good job of bringing in like the people who were in charge of designing Google, right? And the search feeds and who made up the like button. And, you know, it was interesting to hear the guy say, when we developed the like button, we thought we were doing this for like the betterment of society. This is going to make people feel good. Like we didn't understand, you know, 
just the trickle down effect of it all. And you genuinely believe them, right? Like you're watching them and you're taking it in, but then you see the flip side of that. And there are people who are like, oh no, like I knew what we were doing when we made it. And even to this day, like I didn't use Google. I use, who was a guy that made up the Google, but then he's like, I use Firefox to search because he knows. And I was just like, yo, what the fuck? Like, it's such a great watch. And so, yeah, my big takeaway was that. And just for us, you know, not to be the the panic, like, oh no, we're screwed, we're fucked. Even though there's part of me that thinks that. The biggest takeaway is, I think we all need to gain a better understanding of what social media is. And then yeah. once we do and- that, then focus in on how we use it and what we get from it. And what happens a lot is, I say this so much at work, because obviously I work in a, in the media industry. Like it's a metric. It's not the metric. It's not a be all and end all metric, but it's a metric. You can manipulate the numbers. And if you're out here just trying to get Google likes or Instagram likes or follows, you can do that, right? You can do that. But at the end of the day, it's just a metric and there's ways to fake right. it, right? So yeah. That was basically my key takeaway from that. And I'd encourage everyone to watch it. Send us your thoughts on it, what you thought about it. And because I thought it was really good. I interrupted you at one point. Sorry. Just to be mindful, like, uh, like the thing is, is like, you know, scrolling through Instagram or anything or liking something on Twitter doesn't make you a bad person or make you part of the problem. But just to stay mindful and and realize, like you say, what social media actually is and what is actually going on in in, in like the background and, and what's behind it. That's having that knowledge is just so powerful, yeah, you know, totally because people, you know, in our society. And I know this sounds weird because we're literally doing a podcast right now that will live yeah. <laughs> on YouTube that I will share. Please like and share right? that I will share. <laughs> no, exactly. That I will share on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and be like, Hey, like, and share this podcast and blah, blah. blah. And I, and I trust me, I'm not mad at social media. I just encourage people to understand what social media is. And a lot of times, you know, people will come and say things like, oh, well, how many likes or how many people watch? And it's like, listen, that's just a metric. If I wanted to to show you that I have 10,000 followers, I could buy 10,000 followers, right? Like that's not what it's about. It's about the actual connections that you are able to make and then making those connections real. Right. Like it's not about, oh, I got 10 million likes on this. Like it's it's that's an algorithm. You can cheat those things. So I don't know. It was it was super interesting to me to see and understand. And there's another conversation I'll I'll have with you off the air. That's super interesting about that, that I can't have publicly. But yeah, but it's like to me, I just found it super interesting. It was super interesting. And as people who live on social media, like I'm on social media a lot. And so I always have this like dueling battle when I'm trying to explain Twitter or Instagram to someone, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, why are you on it? Or why are you not on it? And Mm -hmm. I always just say, I'm like, you got to understand why you're on it. And I think I mentioned this on a pod, maybe one of them we were doing called, uh, during the pandemic, right? When we were just talking about reviews and stuff. I think I told you this, or maybe I didn't, but either way, there was a moment in the middle of the pandemic where I remember I was scrolling on Instagram and I put my phone down and then I picked my phone back up like maybe five minutes later and just went back to scrolling and I caught myself and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, 
And then in that moment, like, because you're scrolling whatever foolishness is on your feed. And in that moment, you know what I did? I went and I just followed like entrepreneurial site and then like a business development site. And then, uh, this is like a positive thoughts. And I just started following like just a couple other random, just like productive things. If that makes sense. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Because, and, and you just realize the tricks that get played in your mind. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, man, it's just such an interesting deep dive. I'm sorry. I'm rambling, but I thought it was just such a good doc and an important doc for a lot of people to watch. Definitely. Everybody should watch it. For sure. Everybody under the age of 50 or 60, right? Because we're I think all anyone, on I think phones. anyone that has a social media account, right? Like, I want to make my yeah. mom watch it just because, like, you have Facebook, but then you see all this information on Facebook all the time. And then, you know, it'll be like, oh, hey, did you see this? And it's like, yeah, but that's like a fake video or that's a fake site mm-hmm. or that's a fake whatever. And it's just people got to understand, hey, once you watch one of these conspiracy videos, on conspiracy theory videos online, they just purposely keep sending you more and more and more and more and more. And it's so important to understand that angle, especially in the current times we are now with an election going on in the States and this coronavirus pandemic. Information is key. So yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, rant over. Sorry to the basketball fans that might have just been like... (laughs) What just happened here? What what am I listening to? What podcast is this right now? <laughs> oh man, sorry. I apologize, people. I apologize, but super great doc. It's all good. Super great doc. And hey, that's the beauty of this podcast, right? We bring you in with basketball, and then we bring you into other things that our likes and our interests and things that you know just caught our attention over the past week. So much fun as always diving deep diving into the nba and the nba finals mr andrew webster and that's what my timeline is going to be filled with for the next week and a half i can only imagine yours is the same but if people want to hit you up and get your takes where can they find you mr andrew webster watch along with me and give me parenting advice on twitter and instagram come and Give me all those likes and retweets and make my engagement <laughs> fire so my Pete from Mad Men and my phone can uh, be happy. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, both the same, at AWebster84. Yes, and, and you know, my Twitter is at Shell Alexander. My Instagram is at Sheldon Alexander. And I hope we understand kind of the point of, that we were making here. You know, it's like social media isn't all bad. Social media is as bad as you make it. If you want to follow all good things and positive things, you can do that. If you're tired of seeing negativity on social media, you can unfollow it, (laughs) right? You don't have to live in this chamber where you follow things you don't like or follow people you don't like or hearing their opinions. You can avoid that if you choose to. That's just a reminder. But hopefully you like following me at Sheldon Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander and liking and subscribing to this, the Ball on Blast podcast, which is part of the On Blast podcast network. And also on the network, we still got uh, our NFL pod is up and running and doing pretty well. Tough week last week. I think I went uh, seven and nine against the spread last week week three but i was nervous heading in i gave the warning i was nervous about it going in the week three is always tough it's a tough one but still above 500 for the week or for the year pardon me record still good so we got that podcast up and running that is also under the on blast podcast network that one's called 
still called i'll name this football pod later um so yeah tune into that for sure follow us like us subscribe itunes soundcloud spotify google play youtube hit us with the like hit us with the subscribe if you like the positivity that we try to give to you each and every week for my guy andrew webster my name of course is sheldon alexander and as i always say i used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this this is the ball on blast podcast as always unpolished and unapologetic until next time see ya this is ball on blast part of the on blast podcast network available on itunes spotify soundcloud and youtube if you like it then subscribe and tell your friends holla